What's up, guys? It's the Blue Bloods, and we are coming back at you with another episode. And this is our first episode. It kicks off our ACC in 28 days theme. And we are joined with the voice of the Boston College football team, John Mediparel. And I want to thank you for joining us today. No problem, Zach. Thanks for having me. For sure, for sure. So, you know, uh, a lot of our listening base is based in the southern part of the country, SEC country. So, you know, we covered this season. We covered a few Boston College games, and I always felt they weren't really receiving the respect that they deserved. I always thought they were one or two plays away from really having that signature win. I'm looking at the UNC game, the Clemson game, where those were two top five teams at points this year. How, how, how did this team always seem to step up in the biggest moments for you? I think a lot of it was a, a seismic shift in culture. I think the team really responded to Jeff Halfley and his new coaching staff. I think the team needed an infusion of excitement, of enthusiasm, of uh, a new voice. And they got it with Halfley, and they, they got re-energized. I think that can lead to a lot of good things in college football. And, uh, and it also helps, too, Zach, when you have a quarterback that transfers in from Notre Dame they can play the position at a high level. So they certainly were lacking that the last couple of years, and but they got it in Phil Jerkovic. Right, and that's that's where I wanted to move to next. I mean, that was one of the biggest, I think, transfer portal pickups in the entire country was Phil, was Phil Jerkovic going to Boston College. I mean, he was spectacular at times this season. You know, you already talked about how big of an addition it was. What do you expect from him moving forward, and where do you think he could lead this program? I think he'll only get better. I mean, I think the sky's the limit. I think especially because he has confidence now. First year starting for him since high school, since he was a star in Pennsylvania back in Pittsburgh. So he needed that. Uh, He hadn't played a lot of football sitting behind him book at Notre Dame. And that's why he came to BC. And he felt very comfortable with the coaching staff and Jeff Hapley and offensive coordinator Frank Signetti. So I think looking ahead to 2021, BC is very confident that they would burst through and they will be – a challenger to Clemson in the Atlantic division and challenge for the ACC championship. I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't think that. Right. And I mean, you saw what they did to Clemson this year for Trevor Lawrence or not, that team was still loaded with talent. And, you know, you talk about Jeff Halfley coming in first year as head coach, plus losing players like AJ Dillon, who I think was an, was an underrated player in the first place. Did this season, like to wrap this up, did it meet exceed or fall short of your preseason expectations? No, I think it exceeded my expectations. I think it exceeded many. I mean, even though they only, you know, some would say, Oh, they only won six games, but as you mentioned at the top, easily could have won eight, easily could have won nine. So I think it's one of those things where BC didn't really know what to expect, especially with a new quarterback. They thought he was going to be good, but he exceeded expectations. Running game, they didn't rely upon as much this year. They have a good running back in David Bailey, another good one in Pat Garwo, but they didn't have to do much because BC was throwing the ball. That's what Jeff Apley wants to do. He wants to be a drop-back passing team, which a lot of people aren't doing around college football now. It's more of a spread attack. When you have a quarterback like Jerkovic, you can do that, and you have a steady, real, real explosive group of receivers coming back. So they definitely exceeded expectations. Right, and I think you're seeing in college football, if you don't have a passing game or an offense, you're not going to go anywhere in college football. You even see coaches like Nick Saban or a defensive mind is saying that a good defense isn't going to win you games anymore. You have to have that next level. And Jeff Halfley, excellent offensive mind, and he was hired last season – 
just you spent you've spent some time with him now you've seen him in this program what do you think makes him such a good fit at Boston College and what were your first impressions of him my first impressions were was this guy really wants his bad he wants to succeed badly um, he, he came in here, just turned the key and said, you know what? We're BC. We're a brand. We're a national brand. We're not just a Northeast brand. I think the prior coaching staff, and I like Steve Adazio. I think he did a good job, but I think they got caught up maybe a little bit in the Northeast brand thing. We're happily wants to build BC as a national brand because they are. They recruit everywhere now. They beat guys like Alabama and Ohio State and Florida this year for players. They beat, they were recruiting guys in California actively. So it's a top 30 recruiting class coming in, which is unique to BC. And that's a testament to Hapley's energy, his vision. He knows what he can do here. He wants to be here. He wants to build this thing. He wants to become an ACC championship contender every year. And he's getting there even after one year. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned that. I know we had a national signing day recap coming out soon. We we pay a lot of attention here on the Blue Bloods on recruiting and Boston College jumping way up there. Like you said, it's pretty much a consensus top 30 class across all these outlets. It was 62nd ranked last year, according to 247. That's a huge jump for a first-year head coach. Can you speak to kind of what Halfley and his staff have done to improve this? And f- for you, for our, our listeners here who don't really know Boston College, what are the biggest selling points, in your opinion, about this program and university and the future of it? Well, first of all, you're, you're in a, a world-class city, and you're five minutes from downtown Boston. So there's such a vast reservoir of talent in that area. Think about just the amount of power you have within five minutes of the BC campus. Uh, there's, there's world-class hospitals, there's world-class uh, science institutions, there's world-class uh, tech institutions. It's, it's a world-class city. So if you're a, a football player and you want to, think about life after maybe hopefully the NFL, but definitely after college football, why not go to Boston? Why not thrive in a city that is it's unique to the ACC where look around the ACC Pittsburgh's a world-class city as well, but maybe Boston's a little bit more so. Uh, And that's, you got Miami and that's about it. So I think you're looking at a situation where you can really build on that. You can also build on an unbelievable alumni network. And you can build on the fact you're playing in one of the top three conferences in America year in and year out in the ACC. So if you're a kid that's looking at Ohio State or looking at Alabama or looking at Florida, BC's going to be in the conversation now. Right. I agree. And, you know, to build all that, do you think Halfley's NFL experience adds on to that too? Because if I'm, if I'm thinking as myself, if I'm a recruit and I have coaches sitting in my living room, I want a coach who's been there, who's done it, who knows what it takes to get that next level. How much does his NFL experience play into the fact that kids are going to want to come play for Boston College? That's huge. That's a great point. It definitely is a major uh, marketing tool for that coaching staff. A lot of you guys on that staff, Halfley, obviously, number one, have had NFL experience. There's rising coaches on the staff. Uh, there's guys that, like Frank Signetti was in the NFL as well, the offensive coordinator, Tim Lukabu, the defensive coordinator, NFL guy. Just right there, that's your foundation. And you know, following uh, college football, players love that because they look at these guys that they say, okay, this guy's going to take me to the next level. He knows what it takes. He has the experience. He can tell me exactly what I need to do to get to the combine to get myself drafted. That's what a lot of these recruits want to hear now. Right. 
And, you know, moving toward kind of like the ACC in general, you mentioned top, I would say arguably two conference in college football, just personal opinion. Why do you think, I mean, because you hear the narrative, you have to, that SEC fans, like Big Ten fans say that, it's, it's just Clemson. There's no other competition in the ACC. Like they say, it's a cakewalk for Clemson. Why do you think that narrative, uh, you know, started? And, you know, can you just kind of break down, like, how does that make, you know, other programs in the ACC feel? Like, how how did that start? Because as covering college football, I don't think that's true at all. I thought Boston College was, was a good team. UNC had a great team this year. Virginia Tech could play football this year. I think there's a lot of competition. Miami was the top 10 team all year. How do you think that narrative got started? And what is what do you think Boston College and the ACC are doing to combat that? I just think Clemson is on such a roll right now. And really for the last 10 years under Dabo Sweeney, it's just, just been a bastion of consistency with 10-plus wins every year. So that just becomes a self-perpetuating thing. And to their credit, they've, they've built an amazing program. BC fans and yours truly have also seen Clemson when they're down. So it is right. possible. Will that happen again? I don't know. It doesn't look like in the foreseeable future because they continue to have top five recruiting classes. But, you know, I think it's something where a team like a BC, I, I'm with you in North Carolina. I was very high on them this year. Um, I think they might have underachieved a little bit this year, actually. I agree. Um, but I thought North Carolina, I thought maybe Miami's another one, although Miami's been a roller coaster. Um, yeah. In the Atlantic, it's, it's Clemson. Uh, I think NC State fans will tell you, oh, we've been close, but a little bit of a roller coaster. It's time for one of these teams to break through. Will it be this year? Who knows? I think BC's got a shot. I think if their defense improves, they got a good chance. Uh, They got a shot. So they definitely have a chance to be a top 20 team. There's no doubt about that. So I think one of these years it has to happen, Zach, someone's going to knock off Clemson and then – you'll hear a little different narrative. Right. And I also think it contributes to, you hear a lot of the national analysts, they only talk about the big names. You never hear anyone on Fox Sports, ESPN mention Boston College, UNC. It's always, and I think Florida State's downfall kind of has played a part in that too, because that's a, a, not to be cliche, a blue blood program. And so when they're down, everyone's like, oh, the ACC is a cakewalk. But moving to next year, I want to kind of get like a way too early preview. I'm looking at the schedule you, I agree with you. It looks manageable. I think BC can make some noise, but there are some huge games that catch my eye. The game in Death Valley against Clemson again is huge. Missouri um, co- coming into Boston College is a huge game. And, and Virginia Tech, last year that was a tough game for Boston College. So what do you think the floor and or ceiling will be for next season for, for this team? I think, you know, I think looking at it, you know, we always everybody kind of plays the schedule game. We all do it. Uh, I think nine to nine wins is manageable for BC. I really do. Um, who knows? Nine to 10 wins. I think it's all about starting fast. It's all about confidence and, and it's always precarious in the early season. I think BC will be the classic. They're going to be better in week six than they are in week one. Uh, like a lot of teams around college football, I wouldn't want to play them late in the year um, because that's when they're really, you know, iron sharp sharpens iron. So right. I think you're looking at a situation for BC next year where they, if they start fast, which I'm hopeful they will. I think they're going to be definitely in contention with Clemson. Now that Clemson game is going to be interesting. And BC doesn't catch a break because 
they, they third straight year now playing in Death Valley. The schedule makers <laughs> are not exactly helping the cause. Uh, yeah, so, no kidding. Uh, and one thing you got to remember, and one thing to focus on in terms of BC is how this defense plays against mobile quarterbacks. They've had a lot of problems containing mobile quarterbacks. You saw that. You mentioned the Virginia Tech game. It was a disappointment. Hendon, Hendon Hooker, their quarterback, sliced and diced BC. Uh, right. In, in book mobile played very well against the Eagles. Sam Howell, not so much more of a, more of a thrower, but still has some mobility. He, he was terrific. Uh, of course, DJ with Clemson, uh, not, not known as a mobile guy, but still mobile enough. Um, they've had trouble the last couple of years with mobile quarterbacks. And that's something that Jeff Halfley knows very well. And he knows the team's going to continue to go to his BCS to prove they can stop. Him. So he's working towards that. It's all about that defense. I think the offense is loaded. There's only one start not coming back. It's a big loss in Hunter Long, the tight end, who I think is going to be a terrific pro. But outside of that, you get everybody back. So that is a huge boost for your offense. Defensively, they've had some transfers come in. Uh, Isaiah Graham Mobley from Temple is a linebacker. He's going to start. Uh, Jaden Lars Woodby, a lot of your podcast fans will know that name, out of Florida State, former yep. four-star recruit. Uh, they went in the portal for him. They think he could play linebacker and safety. Great hybrid player. All ACC freshman team his first year. He's got a couple years of eligibility left. So they dipped into the portal to increase their depth on defense. Got to rush the quarterback. That's simple. Right. Got to get a better pass rush on opposing quarterbacks. BC hasn't had that the last couple of years. Right. And, you know, you talk about some of these breakout defensive players. I mean, Phil, Phil Dracovich was probably the breakout st- one of the breakout stars in the ACC, in my opinion, this year. I mean, he w- did come from Notre Dame, highly re- highly tied to recruit, but until they prove it on the field, I always consider them breakouts when they finally show it on the field. Can you give us maybe one or two other players on maybe offense that we should watch out for as breakout candidates for next season? Well, this guy broke out last year in a big way, but Zay Flowers, one of the top receivers yep. in the country, in my, in my book, uh, all ACC – NFL speed, uh, one of the fastest players to ever wear a BC uniform, uh, dynamic, electrifying presence, a guy defenses will game plan around. Uh, he can do it all. So I think he is going to be definitely preseason all ACC again and should be on a lot of preseason all American teams. He's a guy that I think will burst through. Um, I also think you look at guys they have coming back. Kobe White, guy got hurt last year, didn't play all year, but he was their leading receiver the year before. He's coming back. So they're loaded at receiver. Yeah. Uh, another guy that emerged last year, C.J. Lewis, 6'4", wide out, played very well, especially later in the year. He's coming back. Again, you got to replace Ted and Long. you got David Bailey coming back. you got Garwo coming back. And the unheralded Travis Levy is coming back for another year. So he had another year of eligibility left, played very well against Clemson classic coaches love him he does everything special teams receiver running back uh just a great guy to have on a team a glue guy so those are some guys to watch on an offense and don't forget that offensive line which always Mm -hmm. at bc is strong yeah i think uh coming into the season pro football focus had boston college as a number nine in the country in terms of offensive line talent returning they were they just nfl talent all over that team and you know kind of looking toward just Boston College in general. Like I said earlier, we have a big 
SEC listening base, some in the Big 12, lower ACC, but not a lot of people know about Boston College on our podcast. So I have to kind of get my fandom out here. I got to ask you about this, but as a kid, I was in middle school. That 07 Boston College team is one that I remember watching all the time. They got up to number two in the country. Matt Ryan's a team captain. You know, that team was a national championship contender deep in the season. What was so special about that team, and what do you remember most about covering that team? They, they, first of all, they were outstanding kids. Uh, they just had so much character, great chemistry in the locker room. Uh, it starts with Ryan, of course, pulling the trigger. Um, just a magical year for him. Uh, you know, they, they just had everything going from the jump, starting in May or right after spring practice. They all stayed on campus. No one left. No one went home. It was all summer in Boston and just informal workouts with Matt Ryan and company. And their defense was absolutely loaded that year. They had some amazing talent on the defensive side. Jamie Silva was an All-American safety, went on to an NFL career. Um, unheralded defense, but they were loaded. Uh, and there was leadership. It was leadership. And, you know, Tom O'Brien built that team. But the, it was a classic BC team, Zach, because – and Jeff Halfley talked about that in his press conference this week in terms of how he wants to build – he likes the portal to an extent, but you got to build developmentally at BC. You need those right. third- and fourth-year guys to really burst through and make sure that they get the simmering they need early. They'll play a little bit. But by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're ready to really, you know, turn it up. And that's what that right. 2017 did. Uh, a lot of them didn't play or Matt, Matt Ryan didn't play early at BC. But he got the necessary experience uh, sitting behind some pretty good quarterbacks. And then, you know, come his junior and senior years, he was ready to explode. Right. I don't think I think especially with the emergence of the transfer portal being as popular as it is, you don't get those three, four year guys that sit and wait their turn. I mean, you saw Mac Jones do it this year, but that's a different situation. It's very, very uncommon. And so, you know, a lot of our fans never been to a Boston College game, never been to the environment. What makes the environment so special and how hard is it to have kind of like that, you know, college football national environment where like game day comes down. Everyone talks about that stadium. How hard is that when you're in the same city as the Patriots, the Celtics, you got Red Sox. I mean, you're, you're surrounded by other stuff. How hard is it to create that environment and what makes Boston college's game day environment so special? Well, it's, it's a unique environment in that BC fans are extremely loyal. Uh, I wish there were more of them on a weekly basis. I hope there will be this year. Uh, we'll see with the pandemic and we'll see what the governor right. says about fans attending games. But I think this year is a real possibility for that, that place to be banged out every Saturday, 45,000 strong. Uh, I think the students are definitely jacked up about it. Um, I think it, it is difficult to be in a pro town, but you also have to understand about Boston. It's an event town. It's a big game town. Clemson comes to town, fans pay, pay notice. Notre Dame comes to town, right. fans pay notice. If Alabama ever played here, they'd be loving it. Uh, if Florida ever played here, they'd be loving it. Florida State comes to town, it's a big game. Big game mentality, pro mentality, yes. But fans, there's room for BC. There always has been. When BC was number two, they were the number two team in the, country, in the, in the Boston uh, focus behind the Red Sox for a large part. It won the World Series that year. Right. Uh, 2007, I was working in sports radio for 13 years in Boston on <laughs> WEI's morning show. So I was you know, right there. And there was, I sensed it. I sensed the BC was ready to burst through. It's kind of been a roller coaster for them. 
ever since Doug Flutie played here. Uh, but there's enough room on the Boston landscape for BC to make an impact. Right. And I mean, personally growing up, you know, I grew up a Celtics fan because I was a big Paul Pierce fan. So Boston's on my bucket list. I've not made it up there yet, but I want to come check out everything in Boston. But last question here, and I love asking people we have on the podcast this question. You've been the voice of Boston College football for over 15 years now. I mean, you've been there. You know what it's about. What are your what are some of your most memorable calls and why is Boston College so special to you personally? BC is so special because of the close-knit community and the people that make up the community and the kids that go to BC. I also teach at BC. I teach a sports and news broadcasting course, and I learn in my class the character of the kid, the character of the student, men and women for others. I encourage everybody in your podcast audience to watch the story of the man in the red bandana, which is uh, an unbelievable story about a BC student who perished on 9-11 but ended up saving over 30 lives by sacrificing himself, by going up and down stairs and carrying people to safety. And that's, that, that, that man's name is Wells Crowther. Uh, ESPN did a terrific story on him yeah. a couple of years ago. It's a documentary that's well worth watching by Tom Rinaldi. So that type of kid, I mean, he was obviously at the extreme, but that type of character, that type of kid, BC recruits, uh, and it's a philosophy at BC. And I think that's why I like it so much. I love the fact it's such a loyal alumni base. People eat, drink, and, drink and sleep it. They love Boston College. And that to me is, you know, that's, that's something to take pride in. So it, it's the type of kid that they get. And it's the type of kid that they coach. And it's the type of people that support the program that make it special. And yeah, you're in a world-class city. I grew up in the Boston area. I grew up in a suburb of Boston. As a kid in my living room, I'm watching Doug Flutie throw the pass against Miami, and I'm going absolutely nuts. <laughs> he told me uh, I, t- I got the job in 2005 when BC went to the ACC. You know, rewind the tape 20 years ago when Flutie threw the pass. I would that would my head would have exploded if you told me I was going to get that <laughs> job. So, you know, it, it, that's pretty cool, Zach. When you can when you can say that, right. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, as an Auburn fan, like, I couldn't imagine, like, the kick six and, like, being able to, like, you know, be an Auburn play-by-play guy or something like that. That would just blow my mind, uh, to be honest with you. But we appreciate you coming on, man. This this wraps it up. But I want to get people out here. I want people to know about Boston College. So do, um, go ahead and let them know your social media, any radio shows or anything. You can let them – I'll give you your time to plug all that. I appreciate that, Zach. You can follow me at Meets Tweets. You can follow me also on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at Johnny DePerel on Instagram. That's J-O-N-M-E-T-E-R-P-A-R-E-L. Uh, and happy to uh, connect with you through those avenues. And uh, you, know, you can always also follow us next year on SiriusXM. Boston College Football is uh, on regularly, as you know, on SiriusXM and also on the IMG Learfield Network. Uh, around new england so you can find us pretty easily but we'll also have the jeff halfley radio show going weekly on those avenues as well so i'm always there you can always find me zach (laughs) that's that's awesome but yeah man we definitely appreciate you coming on and uh once it gets more toward the season we start covering some boston college football this season hopefully they we can have a normal season with some fans we'll see how this pandemic turns out but we definitely want to have you back on to cover some boston college football during the season Yeah, don't forget about the Northeast, all right? 
I, I, I won't. I, I try to keep. I try to keep Brandon ruled in. My co-host, he's an LSU fan. They get kind of out there sometimes. So I gotta. I gotta reel them back in sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we got. We got. We got a quarterback playing in the Super Bowl this this week that we're pretty familiar with up here too. So. I, think, uh, <laughs> I bet. I, I think like, the, I'm a huge the, Brady fan, so I'll be rooting with y'all. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's hard. My my head says Kansas City, but my heart says Brady. So it's it's okay. I, I go to K State now, so I'm in Kansas, and so everyone up here is all KC all the time. But I, I want Brady to get his seventh ring and ride off into the sunset, hopefully, because he's a legend. Yes, he is. No, no doubt about it. But a yep. lot of fun. To, a lot of fun to be on with you, Zach. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> For sure. But guys, this is a wrap on our episode. Y'all know where to find us on social media. We'll be back with our ACC in 28 days, recruiting updates, all that good stuff. But for right now, guys, we're out.